<laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Eurovision Rewind podcast. The podcast that takes a retrospective look at the Eurovision Song Contest of the past and the years in which it took place. I am an enthusiastic Italian bongo player, Jonathan. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. I am the only live recording of Abraham Lincoln, Milan Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Um, and I am the one single solitary sequin dress. Nice. Ellis. Was there even one? Yeah, yeah there, there was. was one. I only noticed the sequin suit. I thought that was crocodile or something. But I yeah, said, yeah, that's yeah. what Melon said. He said it was snake skin or something. Like oh that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So clearly, we're gonna have a lot to talk about this episode. Um, but before we do that, talk about our song of the week. Who would care to start? Ah oh, man, I'm I'm kind of stuck on this one. I have been going through a lot of different um, moods in the music that I've been listening to recently. So I have a lot of like intro to house in that I haven't really gotten into house music before and I'm just doing that now. But I also have a lot of experimental African electronic and math rock and pretty much everything from everywhere. So I think I'm going to do uh, instead Steal My Sunshine by Len or L-E-N, which is one of those songs that you know, but you don't realize that you know until you hear it. It's honestly a great piece of art. There is uh, very repetitive backing tracks. One of the lyrics is just a word spelled out in order to make the syllables match with the rest of the song. <laughs> <laughs> like there is some serious ingenuity and creativity that went into this tune and it kind of slaps. Yeah, when you sent it to the group chat, it was definitely one of those songs that I was like, I don't know this one. Then I listened to it. I was like, oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to immediately break with my new plan of picking one from the year of the Eurovision because I don't really listen to that much music from the 60s because I am a electronic dance music and disco fan first and foremost and that is not going to pop up for another 10 years <laughs> uh, so instead I'll go for one that's brand new I'll go for My High by Disclosure, Amine and Slow Tie it's oh, a, yeah it's a a lot of a lot of good music on one song. A neat, a neat collaboration that I wasn't expecting, and it's a banger. So, and I mean, it's from Portland. So, woo. Ooh, love that. Um, so I have two, but it's not really like it's uh, the first one I chose was "Lazy Bones" by Witch, and I discovered them through this YouTube video that came up on my recommended by Bandsplaining, and it was called "Zambia's Seventies Psych Rock Scene Produced the Catchiest Rock Anthems." Oh, and I've seen that video. I haven't watched it though. Yeah, I was I was intrigued because I didn't. It seemed kind of like I want to say like a shit post, but it seemed very a lot of things that that I didn't expect to see in the same sentence. Um, and then I, when I watched it, it was really interesting to like kind of hear about kind of like Zambian history in the past like forty years and how a lot of things changed and how. They ended up having like this really huge music industry that kind of got destroyed by the AIDS epidemic. But um, yeah, it was a really cool song that I found from that. Uh, and the other one that I've been listening to is Thunderkiss 65 by White Zombie. Awesome. Which is, what I was listening to White heard? Zombie. But I chose that for this week because guess what, you guys? We're oh talking about God. it. We're talking about 1965. That was the perfect segue. <laughs> so yeah, are we ready to get to get into it? I know I am. Get into yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so 1965 was one hell of a year. The British invasion was in full effect in more ways than one. The Beatles, The Who, and The Rolling Stones all released a string of singles that topped charts globally, while My Fair Lady and Mary Poppins won big at the Oscars, and the white British minority government of Zimbabwe, then known as Rhodesia, declared martial law. Also in politics, Lyndon Johnson is sworn in after winning his first presidential election, the German parliament extends the statute of limitations to Nazi war crimes. Caribbean free trade organization was started. The Gambia, the Maldives, and Singapore were all admitted as members of the UN. And Winston Churchill finally died. Finally. Good. Thank grief. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's been around for a while. <laughs> for too long. 1965 was also a key year in what became known as the Civil Rights Movement. Bloody Sunday took place in Selma, where 525 marching civil rights activists were attacked by Alabama state troopers. Black Detroit homemaker Viola Liuzzo was shot dead by four Klansmen. Malcolm X spoke in Smethwick, England, after the election of an openly racist conservative MP just nine days before his assassination. And the Watts riots took place in L.A. over the course of seven days. 
after an altercation between the LAPD and black motorist Marquette Fry. Unrest was not limited to just America. Algerian President Ahmed Ben Bella was ousted in a coup. The Yerevan demonstrations began in opposition to the Soviet denial of the Armenian genocide, and a series of killings started in Indonesia, which were linked to a communist witch hunt. The first spacewalk was carried out by American Ed White at the same time that cigarette advertising was banned in the UK and the infamous sitcom My Mother the Car first aired on NBC. 1965 was also the beginning of a totally radical era with the first skateboarding championship ever being held in Anaheim. And that was not the only rad event in 1965, however. In Naples on March 20th, the 10th annual Eurovision Song Contest was held. Let's get ready to look back at the year that was 1965. That's a lot of stuff that happened in that year. Yeah. I, I tried to condense it and there was so much more. I didn't even bring up the Vietnam War. Yeah, oh, that's geez, yeah. close. Yeah, it was like 10 years into the 20-year Vietnam War. Dude, the 60s were a uh, concentrated historical significance, uh, like decade of historical significance. You got For everything sure. going on in that decade. I mean, fully. And also just like music wise, this it's 65 is towards the start of it. But this is like really when the pivot towards rock music as we know it today was going on. Guitar this, music. <laughs> guitar <Yeah>. music. Because <laughs> this is like at this point, the, the Beatles released Rubber Soul in November of 65. So they're moving away from the boy band and towards the Beatles Beatles. Um, right. The, and, the, um, the Stones are a thing. The Who's a thing. Oh, sorry. Do you have something actually prepared? for No, that? Uh, sort of. But I was just about to say the Stones also put out pretty much their most famous album. Um, it's not Exile on Main Street. It's a, oh, oh right. no, it's, yeah, it's like their most six, the famous. Six, like it's one that like Paint It Black was on. Um, I think that was 65. Anyway. Yeah, speaking of all of them, um, I did find the Billboard number ones in 1965. Ooh, it was yes. a really boring chart. <laughs> there were only eight songs that were on the chart, and for 45 out of the 52 weeks in 1965, the Beatles or the Stones were number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, that makes sense. So for two weeks, Downtown by Petula Clark was number one, which is a bop. Nice. And um, Il Silencio by Nini Rosso was number one for five weeks, which is totally inexplicable because I listened to it. And it's this weird, like... Easy listening jazz song that sounds sort of like taps. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> That's, huh. It was for five weeks. Like, it's so strange because, like, Ticket to Ride by the Beatles was number one for eight weeks before it. And then for five weeks after that, Help by the Beatles was number one. But in between that was, like, this weird jazz song from Italy. So what you're telling me is that in this Eurovision, we should be expecting a little bit of jazz and then a lot of fun early rock and blues rock stuff. Right? Right? You know that you know the Eurovision Song Contest is never with the times. <laughs> I thought it was fine though. I liked these songs a lot. Mostly. I also enjoyed them quite a bit, but they certainly are were not a well actually I their chart topping brethren. I was actually able to find some contemporary contemporary links or like sixties then contemporary links to, to a lot of these songs. Okay. Not a lot, but like some of them I thought were kind of reminiscent of like lesser versions of Motown ballads that were popular in America. Mm, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, so, I found a lot of connections to kind of like 60s show tunes, like Hello Dolly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, there was a couple of these where I was like, wow, this sounds right out of a movie musical. But so I was talking to my dad about this and he brought up this show that had happened in Los Angeles the year before called The Tammy Show, T-A-M-I, which... I, mean, I I can't really figure out what it was, like what the the genesis of the show was, but there was a movie production company that put on a concert and then filmed it, and it was apparently like one of the first modern concert videos. Uh, but this was the year before. This oh. was 1964, and you can find it on YouTube. It's kind of cool. But it, it was like James Brown, The Supremes, The Rolling Stones, I think Chuck Berry, and then oh. like a couple more deeply relevant people. And watching that after watching this Eurovision was night and day. This Eurovision, I thought, was fairly forgettable. If, like, if you see that, if you watch that and then watch the Eurovision and then watch the Tammy show, it's like, it, it was not a product of the time. This was just the songs being unmemorable. Yeah, and I also, um, since this was from so much longer ago, it's interesting to see too kind of how there was there was less like 
communication from like each side of Atlantic. So it's interesting to see kind of how different things were in American music and British music, even though the British invasion was kind of happening. Even so, like the British invasion was kind of the first, one of the first examples of like kind of like a huge pop cultural worldwide phenomenon a lot of ways. I might be making that up, but that seems true to me. <laughs> no, I think that I think that tracks. I'm trying to think, because like classical me. composers like really only spread to Europe and the States once the States became uh, like white people were there. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. I don't know. But either, but maybe we'll have some more answers once we get into the song. Yeah. Ooh, the wow. other, like the, the, I, I, I have one or two couple things more to mention before we go songs individually. Um, but I kept at various points, find myself like Googling, all right, when did this other thing come out? Just to try to give myself a time reference. At, at various points, The Wizard of Oz, which was 1939. So that was 26 years prior. And then like, when was Bing Crosby active and when was Frank Sinatra active? Which was, again, multiple decades earlier. I feel like the uh, 50s? Bing Crosby's uh, 40s, I guess. Bing but... Crosby was 40s. Sinatra was 40s and 50s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Bank I got a lot of... became active in the 30s. I got a lot of, like, Paul Anka vibes, especially from some of the male performers. Um, and he was... I think he started in the 40s, but he, he went through until, I think, the 70s or something. So that, that style of song, definitely... It was, it was more prominent in the, the decade prior, but it still had some, some legs, I'll say, uh, in the decades continuing. Sure. Also, Millen, apparently Bing Crosby was born in Tacoma. Whoa. Whoa. I, I did not know that. I didn't know that either. That's cool. Good for him. Good for yeah. Tacoma. I would not expect that. That's interesting. Tacoma does not have much else going for it. I'll just say that right now. They have half an airport. That is true. And a glass museum. And a glass anyway. Museum. A glass museum is pretty cool. <laughs> um, Worcester of the Northwest. A little bit, yeah. Uh, Jonathan and I were talking before we started recording and we were talking about how weird it was going from 2010, which had a whole bunch of, you know, effects and performativity and pageantry. Yeah. And apricot stones. Um, and (laughs) And then jumping in the exact opposite direction to pretty much the other extreme where there is one camera on one person's face for the entire duration of the song and no one well, moves. No, sometimes it cuts to the orchestra. Or, or at least two cameras. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I miscounted. Um, no, all of those like fadeaways where they, like it would like show like the oh, artist yeah, 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 and yeah, it would like fade away into the other camera on the orchestra. <laughs> or even better, the artist's face to the other artist's face where it had kind of that oh, 80s like... at a different era. angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I thought it was quite fun actually to see that difference in yeah yeah as far uh, as like the the simplicity of the performance goes like none of them bowed or said thank you they just walked away <laughs> at the end of their performances which I yeah, thought that's, was pretty I, funny I noticed that but that's very true it was just it was like here is the song that's all there is definitely which... adds to like the juried competition feel oh yeah for sure yeah I liked it though I thought it was fun. Let's get into it. Netherlands, the yeah. first up. Yeah, so the first song was Netherlands. It was Honey Vandenbos, the song Tis Genoeg, which means it's enough, or otherwise I have had it officially. Before we get into all of these, I want to um, address something that I think is worth acknowledging. It's upsetting news, but um, th- there's no controversy corners this week or next, or like for this contest because uh, the internet didn't exist back then, and if there were any, <laughs> they weren't really reported on. So um, instead, I have found some fun facts about uh, the songs and the artists. I don't know what to call it. In fact, Fjord. Oh, in fact, Fjord. <laughs> trying to think of Ellis, locations that start with F. You got to edit a soundbite of him. Uh, with like a babbling brook behind it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. Um, but anyway, our first trip to Fun Fact Fjord, um, Connie Vandenbos, <laughs> the singer from Netherlands, if you'll remember, so remember in 1998 when like uh, I was talking about how during the voting, 
someone called in and then the host called her old basically oh yeah yeah um that was her oh, oh. wow yeah, like 33 years after she went to eurovision she called in the dutch vote and then when um <laughs> yeah when she called it you can listen to her 98 episode for for this full story but um yeah, like she was talking about her Eurovision experience before she got the votes underway, and then the host was like, "Oh, a long time ago, was it?" And then like she was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of like oh, right." It was like the mistaken intent sort of hullabaloo. Yeah, because like yeah, because like she like says something like, "Oh, like it's been a while since I've like been here," and then like the audience couldn't hear because like I think like Lorica was talking over her or like something like that, and then she was like, "Oh yeah," like and then she like asked about it, and then like that was the only thing the audience heard. Anyway, under the song, I love this one. It super catchy and it was really it really like hit the ground running and i thought it was a great start and i don't speak dutch but i could pretty much understand you know she was trying to convey he told that she was angry and that she was you know confident and that she had been wronged and that's kind of what the song is about from what i understand and yeah i think her voice is great the 98 contest i was like really focused on like the choices that people were making and for this one i was noticing if the performers had they had soul and if they had um soul and conviction Mm. Yeah, both of those things. I like this one a lot. How about you guys? Oh, this yeah. person definitely had conviction. And... Absolutely. Oh yeah. I okay. So to like to describe it slightly, there is a uh, almost like a bongo kind of yeah. pattern. There is a vigorous bongo solo. Bongo solo, bongo yeah, very, solo very at the beginning. Reminiscent of, or I mean, it could easily fit into like any action scene. I thought I described it as like a James Bond theme. It's an impossible theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Oh, Very. There are in that, aren't there? Are there? I don't know. Yeah, because like, right. I, no, at the, at the beginning, it's it's like a, uh, a bongo run. Okay, nice. <laughs> of, of Mission Impossible, yeah. I thought that this was like you know, I kind of going back to the show tunes piece that I mentioned earlier. This wasn't a show tunes, but it could easily be in a film soundtrack. Her voice alone was good enough to carry the bongos like if it was just the bongos and her voice i think it would have been a good song <laughs> the orchestra in addition made it into something better though it made it have this much larger scale and and depth to it which i quite enjoyed while still keeping the i guess kind of shallow depth of a, of an action scene <laughs> i don't know if that makes sense but that's that's kind of how i how i feel about action scenes I and then uh like Jonathan was saying about conviction at the end she has like a sass in her eyes which I thought was uh, very funny. She seemed very confident in herself and I think it worked. Yeah, I I don't really have that much to add which I think might end up being a theme for this uh, this one unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, this was like it was a better start than I was expecting. It was I do think it was a good song to start with cuz it had it was like energetic and the bongo solo kicked it off well. I it was a it was a good song. It was a good place for the song in the running order. Do you guys have any thoughts about how it might score? I think it's gotta do well. There's only eighteen contestants this time, so I don't know. It's kind of hard to say like top half, bottom half, because that's such a small range in between them. So I, right. I I I personally like it, so I think it'll do well, but I'm not sure where. Yeah, I agree. I do think this is going to be in the top. I don't. Th I don't think it's a winner necessarily, but I think it'll be. I think. It, I, yeah, I think this one was good, so I think it'll be in the top. That's my take. <laughs> and also, I mentioned this to you guys. Um, I think, but the viewers don't know the voting system was really weird this year. Um, Ooh, and it right. kind of was all throughout the '60s. So basically, what would happen was there was some number of jurors for every country. Then they would like do their top three. Then based on those votes, the three songs that got the most votes from their collective top threes would award like five, three, and one points. But if there were only two, some rule about how like you could sometimes give six points and three points instead of three different sets. It was a lot. But anyway, but um, as you can imagine, there were a lot of like narrow point margins. And like spoiler alert, not really, but like what ended up happening was that there was kind of a lot of a lot of small margins between point values, which yeah. doesn't really happen today. I and feel like least though. I feel like that system would also end up with more zero pointers than usual just because like it, it like it's a fine song it just doesn't end up making anyone's top three that is a very astute observation <laughs> oh we'll get to that like that's gonna happen Love there's gonna be yeah, five, we'll get to... five zero pointers oh god i mean we'll get to it just like we're gonna get to the uk's kathy kirby with the song i belong song number two but now my heart has recovered 
also have a fun fact. Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. So much fun as it kind of made me slightly angry. Um, on <laughs> on her own Wikipedia page and the Wikipedia page for like the UK Eurovision 1965 entry, the authors of both of those uh, liken her appearance to that of Marilyn Monroe, to which I say, "Bitch, where?" Not that she's like, <laughs> that she's like ugly, but like, I, I don't see the resemblance. And I thought it was whoever wrote that had quite the nerve to put that on two different Wikipedia pages. <laughs> and also, um, her Wikipedia page also claims her to be quote the highest paid female singer of her generation. Which what? makes absolutely no sense. First of all, it's kind of hard to quantify like who is highest paid and who isn't. And also, it's hard to quantify like what a generation is. But also, aside from that, like Barbara Streisand, Aretha Franklin, Di- like Diana Ross, like who, like th- those were. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of people from her generation that were had like worldwide stardom, and like I don't think anyone knows who Kathy Kirby is anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be famous to be well paid. I don't know. I guess so, but who's paying her? What like, is she I, like sponsored by the British government to? I don't, uh, to write songs. I mean, I guess I didn't do I that kind of research, so I don't know. But um, <laughs> I thought that was... Those were two uh, very surprising statements that I found. That is... The Marilyn Monroe one, I feel that, you know... I, think that someone I wouldn't with, have brought it up if I didn't see it twice. That's someone with poor no. eyesight explaining to the whole world something that is just not entirely true. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just like, oh, there's a blonde lady and that's in black and white and she's wearing a dress. Just like Marilyn <laughs> Monroe. But anyway, um, yeah... Aside from that, what did you guys think of the song and the performance? I was not, re- I was not a fan of this one. The refrain of "I belong, I belong" that was driving me nuts. So I, I, I wasn't enjoying that. Her stage presence was little to none oh, because I would it say it was like, actively bad. Yeah, yes, I would agree. <laughs> she does not know where she's supposed to be looking, but instead of just picking a spot and committing to it. She's constantly like glancing around and looking somewhere else. And she looks super uncomfortable on the stage. I, I guess she's like trying to find her camera or something, but it just goes on for the whole song. I mentioned, uh, when was this? This would have been uh, whenever the, the Malta one was with all the candelabras on stage that I'm blanking on the year right now. That's like, oh, um, 98. 98. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wait, that's a, wait. wait was but there it? were two that had a candelabra. <laughs> and two thousand three also had a candelabra. But I think you're talking about nineteen ninety eight. Sure. Um, but one of the Malta ones. I I said she had like a shy stage presence. She looked like she was shy, and yet still filled up the stage and like was able to project essence of like solid performance. And this one, this UK Kathy Kirby one, does not do that. And it like it has all of the all of the negatives about that without spinning them for positives like the Malta singer was able to do. And so it's just like, it's tough because it's like, it makes you kind of uncomfortable to watch and like combined with the, combined with the annoying song. And it's just like, there's not much good about this. Like she's got a pretty good voice, but I thought the song was not good and the performance was not either. Yeah. The performance was definitely uh, rough to say the least. (laughs) Um, She did have a, a sequin dress, which was so there were two then. Yeah, there were two. <laughs> um, I didn't catch this one on the first go around. This was, as far as the performance goes, like none of the clothing, none of the outfits were really worth mentioning, except for maybe Finland's. There are, yeah, I mean, this goes back to the kind of lack of pageantry about it, but it felt like this was just like a dress that the artist would own already. You know, they're putting on their Sunday best, but not. They're not being dressed for the show. So in this one, I felt there was a little bit of kind of the the heritage of over-the-top outfits and performances years, you know, decades to come. Because it was also a little bit more, I guess, quote-unquote poppy than the Netherlands. It was supposed to be inspiring and rousing and kind of... <laughs> I, I don't think it achieved that very well, but it, that was the intended effect. Um, yeah, it kind of felt to me like a poorly executed... George M. Cohen, like rally the troops sort of song. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'd agree with both of you. I I said that she had a sweet voice and that the backing, like the the instrumentation, was kind of nice. That was the first one that I kind of likened to a Motown adjacent ballad, sort of, but not as good as any of the ones that are actually famous. Yeah, she has no stage presence. She looks really nervous and kind of has this. You're in the headlights. The lights are on. No one's home. Kind of yeah. look to her. 
And yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. Oh, at the end, um, I was a little bit put off by like her weird world. Like, she, I don't know. She she yeah. kept like moving her arms up at the end and it kind of looked like her plans for world domination had succeeded. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's... It's a lie. Yeah, it, it very that. <laughs> um, so I take it that you guys don't think this one did very well. No, yeah. no. Like, I, I can't see this one doing well. Like the your your thing about the Wikipedia and like the highest paid bududad get makes me spe- skeptical and like the judges are gonna be like oh yes of course Kathy Kirby ha 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 but I like I can't see this one doing well yeah I, I don't I wouldn't consider her perhaps her like previous stardom because I think there like I'm gonna bring it up later but there were a lot of people who were kind of like pretty noteworthy in their countries and obviously not more than one one so I mean. Keep our options open. What did you think, Melon? I definitely bottom half. Yeah, like the song was fine, but even though the performance wasn't a huge part of the the sh- the contest this year, it, it actively made the song worse. I think on a first listen through, I was I was okay with the "I Belong" chorus. It was the only one that I like was kind of catchy. I think you know I can I can remember and sing it right now. I don't yeah. want to, but I can. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like up in the air, but I feel like it's going to land in the bottom half. After the UK was Spain with song number three, which was uh, Conchita Bautista's Que Bueno, Que Bueno, which means how good, how good. I gotta say, this started off strong. She comes in, she is feeling her oats. She is, she is, she is giving me choreography. Yeah, have you never heard? I've never heard that. No, I I think it's like a like a gay people word, but um, it's like um. She's feeling herself. I was really intrigued at the start because she like struts around the stage, like moving her arms around. The only real choreography we get tonight. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and then the song started and I kind of um, didn't love it. <laughs> um, she stares into the camera too much for my liking. And it, it's not like a kind of like warm connection to the audience sort of thing. It, it was, it seemed a little intimidating to me. And the song itself, I think there's a little bit too much going on. The, the backing sounds a little bit and her voice wasn't my I think she had a strong voice but at points it kind of cracked and she had this really long sustained note that she did a couple of times throughout the song and I I wasn't a fan of the the quality of the note I, I think it was very ambitious but didn't really deliver for me I think that a lot of those traits that you didn't like are, are traits that are worthwhile in different contexts it felt like uh, well, first of all, the flamenco handing around the stage, um, I thought was uh, definitely a, a kind of a hook into the song. I agree, her voice was uh, unique, <laughs> but like the the frantic uh, aspect of it that you didn't like, I thought was very. It reminded me of a lot of like classical Spanish music, so I thought it was kind of playing a little bit into this idea of like an exoticism almost like a latin american style of you know tempo and rhythm and whatnot not quite a salsa beat like there's another song later on that has a much more salsa adjacent timing and and backing but yeah this one to me kind of felt like how how turkey and uh, turkey in 88 and then i don't know who else but the the idea of like playing into exoticism for points which I'm not a fan of, and I, I feel like she did here. But also that the note that she held, which she couldn't quite hold, I, I thought she was actually performing this kind of trill in, in the note. I thought that was intentional, which, again, I don't know. I thought it know. was too. I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it would work in... I don't know if it... I, eh, it's fine. I think it's fine in this context. You clearly don't. But it would be great for like classical Indian music. <laughs> oh, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I quite um, liked this one. Oops, sorry. Are you oh, no, that's fine. I, I just had one last thing to say. For the past three performances, they've all been female and all have had um, like sleeveless dresses of some kind. 
and the um, same sexy and attire. And they've all looked buff. Like so <laughs> many of the women performers in the show look ripped. <laughs> like we haven't gotten to the notice that we haven't gotten to the to the best arms of the night yet, but um oh. these these are these are pretty impressive, I gotta say. Yeah, I quite liked this one. I thought it was fun. I don't think the song itself was as good as the Netherlands, but I thought that she was one of the better performers of the night, if not the best. She definitely um, like wanted to be there. She was yeah, she, happy. yeah. She wanted to be there. She had great presence. She had great intensity too, which I think is something that the last couple were lacking, particularly the UK's. And so like I I don't think it's better than the Dutch one in the long run, question mark, just because of like on the strength of the music itself. But I thought the performance of this one was excellent and like set a very high bar for the rest of them. That being said, do you think it's going to be upper half, lower half, whatever that really means in this context of 18 songs? But yeah, I mean, I think this will be upper half. I don't think the judges are going to look on it as favorably as I, because I feel like at this point, they're probably going to be fairly music snooty but i think it's strong enough to make up her half yeah i kind of disagree just because we have a lot of songs left which have really just stellar vocal performances a lot of that kind of 50s crooner style uh, oh, so much yeah so <laughs> i think because like you said because the judges are going to be hooty snooty about uh the music I, I don't think this will make it into the top half but i, I do think it definitely has something going for it so Probably like number 10 or 11. Hmm, okay. That concludes with us on Spain. We're moving on to song number four, which was Walking the Streets in the Rain by Butch Moore from Ireland. My poor heart feels like breaking Cause I'll never see you again Fun fact, Ireland's first ever entry to Eurovision. Oh, well, good for them. <laughs> any any fun facts here? Fun facts. Oh, that's it. Oh. That's the only fun thing about this performance. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah. It's Irving Dublin. <laughs> Pause for hmm? that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one was dull. Boring and too slow, and you didn't quite hit the high, no high note, and it was just very snoozy. Yeah, this is trash. This is really awful. <laughs> I... And that's coming from Mr. Slightly Biased Towards Ireland, too. Yeah, I guess so. It was their first year. They were not They were not all there their first year. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. This was before I was alive. So, um, but um, yeah, no, I, I wrote, I said that this song is like If Call On Me by Four Tops was written by and sung by a soulless white man, which I imagine this was. <laughs> and the lyrics are very stale and trite and make it seem like it was written by someone who didn't speak English as a first language, but I imagine it was written by a native English speaker because this is Ireland, but I guess I don't know. Um, I don't have anything else to say about this. This was my least favorite of the entire year. Oh, wow. Yeah, this one was bad. I liked it. I, did, I don't think it was. Yeah, I liked it. What was, I think it was the 2010 one where we mentioned uh, heartthrobs as a theme. Oh, yeah. This guy definitely... Uh, was a heartthrob. I mean, there are better ones. Oh, no. for... There are two more. This is the second on. year that we've disagreed on the heartthrobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't know. To each their own, you know. I think there are songs that do this better later in the night, but I don't think it was terrible. I, I actually enjoyed the kind of like drowsiness of it. It felt like a, like a romantic morning almost, except of course sad. Um, <laughs> And not not even romantic. It was. It felt like it was filled with romanticism. It had yeah. kind of. It had the themes of again, kind of like a Paul Anka vibe. Who is that? He's the guy that sings "Put Your Head on My Sh No." Put yeah, put your head on my shoulder. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit kind of soft and drowsy, and something that you can like sway to, but not really care about all too much. But is still you know enjoyable, sweet. But that's my take on this. So uh, yeah, I liked it. I, d I do think vocally he could not go up in volume at all. He his voice really started scratching as soon as he tried singing louder. And I don't even think the song needed it. 
like I said before, I think it was fine. It's kind of this drowsy thing. Yeah. Other than that, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, this one, like, it was drowsy to the point where I was wondering if I was watching a version that had been slowed down to dodge, like, automatic YouTube copyright. Because, <laughs> like, it was just, like, it felt so draggy and so slow that it's like, this cannot be the intended speed of this song. I don't know. I thought this was not good. Yeah, I like, I mean, like, I like slow songs. I like sleepy songs but i also like them to be sung by someone who's at least semi-competent <laughs> actually has stage presence and um with lyrics that seem like they're written by someone older than the age of eight but um <laughs> you know to each their own <laughs> so how do we think this one did bottom I mean, of the top half like number eight spot probably yeah i don't think it'll do that well i don't think it's going to be the utter basement but I don't think it's going to do that well. All right. So speaking of Utter Basement, next we have Germany <laughs> with song number five, Goodness. which oh. is God, Paradis wo bist du, which means paradise, where are you? like you guys disagree with me what do you think <laughs> the intro for this one was huge especially coming from ireland's you know drowsy performance this one shook you awake however immediately as she started singing i i kind of lost interest because the instrumentation is fast and it's got a lot of energy and it kind of had similar like drumming to the netherlands entry but her vocals are just so weirdly slow I mean, I don't like gray. You know what this is? You know what this is? This is everything that was bad about Kathy Kirby and nothing that was good about Kathy Kirby. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You guys are being more harsh on it than I certainly No, no, no. I actually, I have some things that I do like about this. The jazzy, like ad-libbing kind of vocalizations. Yeah. I was... That thing. That was actively offensive to me. (laughs) What? I I needed it. What? Oh my goodness! The scatting was just. Do you have it a was... problem with our Lord and Savior, the scat solo? I love the scat solo when it's done by someone who can scat. This like <laughs> white lady from Germany doesn't know what she's doing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was fun. I I that one definitely that like that specific part really made this song like at all worthwhile for me. Yeah, um, I would have liked it if it was better. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess. You're, again, entitled to your opinion. As are you. <laughs> I, I do think that this song is not meant for Eurovision, but it could play like on the radio because the lyrics are so repetitive and boring and simple that you could sing along to it quite well. That's all. <laughs> I didn't like it that much. I, I think the instrumentation was cool, and then she ruined it. I thought, this one, I thought this one was perfectly decent. I, I, I don't see what's so offensive about this one. Like, I thought it was perfectly fine. Like, I think what is most offensive is, like, the fact that, like, there's nothing to it. I mean, like, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's that there could have been something to it with the, again, with the energy provided by the orchestra. Okay. Kind and, of explain why I feel the way I feel. Yeah. Bring back my standards of like soul and conviction. This had very little conviction and very little soul, which I realize are kind of subjective. not even the jazzy ad libbing. Oh, don't get me started on that again. And <laughs> I don't know. She just lacked so much conviction. And just comparing her like vocal performance and like her nervousness and lack of stage presence to the kind of like bombastic like backing from the orchestra, it was just very strange. And it wasn't my least favorite. Like I didn't. Hate it. I think this might be the worst vocal performance of the year, maybe. Really? But, um, I, I'm starting to think of a worse one. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's breathy and it's not supported. And I understand that, like, some songs, that's kind of what they're going for. But she's just, I don't know, she's not. It, it, it's, it's not doing what it needs to do because I think the voice needs to be 
a lot bigger and supportive to like go well with the instrumentation. It sounded to me my like when I listened to this, I thought, oh, there's a mixing issue here. Like I thought, yeah, yeah that's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't I, sound to me necessarily like she's not singing it well. It sounds like she's either not singing into the mic enough, or they've just mixed her too low. Like it, it really does sound to me like something that could be fixed with bumping up the slider a little bit. I guess I see that, but I did not see it at the time, and I don't think the judges yeah. saw it either. So how come she had a mixing problem, but no one else did? Who knows? <laughs> stand was higher in sound check. I don't know. Yeah. She does seem very tall, and it seems like the microphone is farther away from her than everyone else. I will give her that. But yeah, um, I think it, it might be the mic's low, and she she's singing kind of even upwards. Then she can like move but... to it. I mean, she yeah. could have been doing a lot of things on stage, and she wasn't. So yeah. I mean, oh, also I will say, return of um beefy armed women. Oh yes, I was here for it. Talk about strong female characters. These are all physically These are... strong. <laughs> They are female characters. Yes. I'm curious to see how you think this one will place considering how polarizing it was. <laughs> the three of us at least. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I didn't think this was the I did not think this was the basement in the slightest. Like I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was an enjoyable song and I thought it was going to be somewhere towards the middle. I think it's no one's favorite. It's not going to be in anyone's like top 3 and because of okay. that I feel like it's going to be shove down to the bottom just because it's not at the top yeah i guess that makes sense all right so after uh germany we had uh their neighbors in austria which was the song sag ihr ich lasse sie grüßen which means tell her that i send my love by udo jürgen sag ihr, es geht mir gut. I love this um, one. Heart, I love this one too. I think it's Heartthrob what? number two. I Oh yeah, definitely Heartthrob number two. Yes. Udo's a hottie. The piano on stage is looking, you know, looking good. Definitely a Eurovision staple. This was... This was the first one that I would actually like fully describe as a ballad in every sense of the word. And mm. I I quite enjoyed it. His voice was this like silky, rich. It had like a richness to it, which yes. I loved. I said he doesn't have to hit the power chords to impress. But then later on he did hit the power chords and I was also impressed. <laughs> and he impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um the instrumentation, unlike in some previous songs and some songs later on, they they like went with the vocals. The vocals were the main show here, and it was the accompaniment. Yeah, like they complemented them, but there was also this kind of piano forward nature. It, it was a piano ballad since he yeah, was the one was playing. Crack, yeah. yeah, and it almost sounded like like a call and response. Like he would sing a part, and there would be like a do 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 thing. And I I just love this song. I I thought it was beautiful. I'd like to fall asleep to this song. I'd like to wake <laughs> up to this song. I found no problems with this song. <laughs> Dang. I I liked it a lot, perhaps not as much as you did, uh, Millen, but um, I have to agree with you for a lot of it. I mean, I was most um, I, I was most drawn to like the camera work and the staging. This was the first performer that didn't just walk up to the the mic in like the weird like um weird background that they had so that was already kind of eye-catching as it was and then yeah i don't know like, if we've like explicitly said it yet but he is sitting at a piano playing the piano while he sings yeah and then they have these really good camera shots that like transition from him singing at the piano to the orchestra which i thought was really cool and i mean yeah his voice is just you can't fault it ireland wishes that this was them <laughs> for oh, sure 100 yeah for i just sure. i wrote down ireland but better at one point. Yeah. Um, it's weird. This one sounded very similar to one of the ones from 98, and I can't 100% remember which one, but it had just like a similar, uh, uh, it had a similar melodic motif. I was like, huh. Oh, maybe it was Estonia, the other guy at the piano? Yeah, I can't remember. I like, honestly, I think it might have been Celine Dion. Huh. Da, 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 da. 
but yeah, no, I thought like this was this was this was good. It was good. That's yep. <laughs> cool. Okay. So is good going to be good enough for the results? I this is one of my contenders to win. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I kind of forgot about this one, which leads me to believe that it won't do as well as it could. Um, but it could also just be me forgetting about ballads. But like, I I thought it was good. I don't think it was. I don't think it did that much to stand out aside from having a piano and being good. Um, <laughs> which is like, sure. So I don't I don't think this is necessarily gonna win, but it certainly will. It certainly will do decently. All right, and before we move on to the next song, um, one thing I will say slightly, slightly critical of this is that um, it did definitely sound more forties than sixties to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of the more dated songs, but I wasn't really mad at it because I mean we're watching this in twenty twenty, so like I don't know, I don't really see there isn't that much of a difference. Like I'm listening to some old ass music. This is still old ass music. Um, yeah. this, this may have been the point where I wrote down sounds like Lawrence Welk or like I feel like I'm watching. Oh, this Welk. yes, I would agree with that a hundred percent. I think that means we're ready to move on to song number seven, which was Isti Sparbo's Carousel, which means carousel or merry-go-round for Norway. I said that this was a lovely uh, showcase of the orchestra's abilities, but not much else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was a weird one because like it's like it, it's very peppy and it's kind of like cutesy and it's just like it doesn't it really does not do a good job of showcasing the singer because she has a verse and there's just a really oddly long instrumental interlude in the middle that's just the orchestra doing their orchestra thing and it's like this is this is good but isn't this a singing competition there was like a almost like a round the orchestra did these rounds where at different points different instruments would do like a little do-do-do kind of thing it was yeah i i said my toe was tapping and the orchestra did a good job but the vocals while they fit the song perfectly don't match up the orchestra was great good for them yeah <laughs> that's not a good song yeah, yeah so bottom of the barrel i think it's gonna have to be just because it doesn't do a good job of doing what it's supposed to do like this is this song is the 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 project runway contestant who hits an unconventional material challenge and then just glues something to some muslin oh my god like, i hate yeah. those contestants they're yeah, so it's, bad <laughs> it's not fulfilling the challenge laid before it by eurovision and deserves to be punished as such i will say mm -hmm. though this is the only one that had a themed outfit Oh, it did. Yeah, she was she was wearing this kind of like schoolgirl outfit thing, which matched the the whimsy and the the childlike nature. Of I didn't notice pop. because it was focused on the orchestra so. the entire time. Yeah. The weird thing though is that I looked up the lyrics. I think it's about love triangle. Oh, interesting. Oh. <laughs> Let me hold on. <laughs> it does not sound like that. <laughs> Certainly not. It sounds like Santa Baby. <laughs> yeah. No, the lyrics are "Mommy, I'm meeting." Kiel and Arna right now. We'll go d Dutch for a ride oh. on a fun merry-go-round. Who should I go with first? Maybe Arna, because he's the biggest. Yes, he'll beat up Kiel if he pulls my ponytail or calls me his pop girl. But when Arna and I go for a ride, Kiel becomes so incredibly cross. So I think it's best that we go all three in a wagon large enough. I'm in love with Kiel. Of course I'll go with him all the same. As we race along, I'll give him a big hug, and then he can take me home. Poor Arna much must stand there and watch but i can't let that bother me i surely have enough with myself while i'm racing along with kiel while i'm racing alone while i'm racing along i'm racing on our merry-go-round oh man that it's, is that's weird so much better by the norwegian names too it's funny also i just realized the video is two minutes long this is a short song it's super short yeah it, i'm not mad at it though <laughs> yeah we didn't need more not either but yeah no for sure okay I think, um, oh, also, sorry, um, I forgot to bring something up about Udo Jurgens from Austria. Mm, yeah. 
Welcome to the Fun Fact Fjord. He is pretty much credited with being the driving force behind the broadening of post-war German music to include elements of like pop. Huh. Like he's yeah, so he's kind of responsible for like German pop music and he incorporated a lot of like contemporary pop sensibility and like aspects of like French like chanson music that was popular at the time. So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really kind of a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. I love him even Um, more. (laughs) I know, honestly same. Um, so I think that means we're ready to move on to song number eight, which was Lisa Marcus All Set Virlenta Is, which means when it is springtime again, Belgium. This lady could fuck me up. These arms, oh my god. <laughs> she, I don't even know what she can bench press, but she, oh my god. Also, it's like so funny because she's wearing this like lacy, like little dress and like massive arms coming out, and it is really incredible. And I love her for that. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to comment on the song, you're free to. <laughs> I do not care at all because I thought it was neither interesting nor memorable nor good nor bad. It's just like, okay. This sure is a song in the Eurovision 1965, and I really don't know what else to say about it. I thought it was, I have similar feelings, slightly more notes though. I said this would be like perfect lounge music, like something you have, Mm, you know, in the background of like a VIP lounge at the airport where people smoke a lot. Yeah, Um, A a lot of cigars and velvet. Yeah, definitely. As far as a performance goes, there was one point where she like kissed to the camera, which I I felt was out of place with the I don't know. That was I would agree. Threw me off a little bit, but I wasn't too upset at it. The instrumentals, there was an underlying track that sounded like uh Bizet's Carmen, like do 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 kind of thing. Oh yeah, okay. Which is fun because I like that. However, I, like it was, it was good. It just wasn't memorable. I didn't, I didn't particularly care about it. If I were one of those cigarette smoking lounge goers, I would have been, you know, enjoying the tunes, and then I would have stepped out of the room, and I would have completely forgotten. I've, yeah. I have to say about the song. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I said that it sounds kind of like a Disney song from the '40s or '50s. Oh yeah, I can see that. I feel like Sleeping Beauty would sing a song like this. Um, um, and kind of music, maybe. Oh, that too. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. The song is the song is fine. She has a nice voice. Um, I think she makes good connection with the camera. She like looks into it, but kind of in in like a nice way. So not like kind of what Spain did. But <laughs> anyway, um, do you think this one can make an impact in the scoring? Not really. Like I think this one is going to be lower. I think than it would in other years. Uh, because it's not interesting like i feel in like i don't know in 1992 or whatever if you had a song that was not this song because it would be incredibly dated at that point but the the 92 equivalent of this you would end up with like this is a little bit lower than the middle like maybe like maybe set 16th in a field of of 25 or whatever is that lower than the middle yeah it is yeah but um (laughs) but i think in this weird ass voting system, it's gonna get screwed and end up towards the bottom. Yeah, I'm I'm with Ellis on this one. It's kind of like the the other one that it wasn't good enough to be anyone's favorite. Therefore, it's gonna be almost at the bottom, if not at the bottom. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of, like I said, five zeros. <laughs> so <laughs> I th- I think it'll it, you know it might be one of those, or it might have like one or two points. All right, so. After Belgium came Monaco with the song Va dire à l'amour, which means Go Tell Love, sung by Marjorie Noel. Va dire à l'amour, 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 va dire à l'amour,
dire à l'amour que j'ai 17 ans. Dis-lui qu'en rêvant, je l'attends, je l'attends, je l'attends. Va dire à l'amour qu'il vienne en copain. Fun fact about her: she retired from show business two years later in 1967 at the age of 21. Oh, wow. good for her! That is an impressive career. I hope yeah, it was for good reasons and not yeah. like. Didn't say on Wikipedia, but I I imagine it was good. Nice. So <laughs> th- this one, the only thing that I could pay attention to is her head. Because she is, it never stops moving. She is bobbing it, like left and right, the entire time. It's like an upside down pendulum and a grandfather clock. <laughs> yeah, that you're not wrong. Um, I think that her voice is really sweet. She kind of does like the like whole like French like yeah yeah chanson thing of not projecting your voice at all, but kind of whispering it, which. Works sometimes. I think it worked in this case. You can tell that she's super young. Yeah, she isn't necessarily a bad thing. But um, I don't know what else I had to say. I thought that um, again, she made a good connection with the camera. Didn't stare too much into the barrel, directly into the barrel. And um, yeah, this was pretty sweet. It was nice. I liked it. It, it feels like it's a better executed version of what Norway's singer sounded like, and that it's that kind oh, of yeah. high-pitched, young, cutesy sort of sound. But it's just done better than that one because this is a better song than that one. Yeah, I thought this. Sorry, one... Will, say here that her Go dress is hideous. Sorry, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I'm I'm watching it now and I can't even see it. Just, uh, uh, like it looks a little bit like a sack, but I think that potato sack be... peasant. Yeah, <laughs> chic. Not even chic. I think that might be due to the lack of color. Who knows if it were like a blue <laughs> yeah, or something? Maybe. I think the song is very cute, like you two have said. This is the one that really stuck out to me as kind of show tuny. Like this sounds mm. like it could be in Wally, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like a put on put the on Disney your movie? Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Like I the vocals kind of like you said, Jonathan, they aren't powerful. They aren't this stirring, emotive uh force, but I really like this song. I I don't know. This is just a like I can't quite put my finger on it. There's no reason to really. It wasn't it wasn't the most technically well performed song of the night or anything like that. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. I think the lyrics are also kind of worth bringing up. They're kind of just about her longing for her lover and kind of just like fantasizing about the day that she'll, she'll meet her true love, which I think is very sweet and goes with the kind of presentation that the song is given also. But keeping all that in mind how do you think this one's going to score? Um, I think that the judges will be so hypnotized by the continuous waggle of the head that when she snaps her fingers, they will give her the maximum number of points. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, seriously, a little bit above the middle. Yeah, I'm with Ellis on this one. I can I can easily imagine it being some people's favorite song, but not, like, not going to be the majority of the votes, so... Um, yeah, somewhere above the middle. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Eurovision Rewind podcast. We will be back next week with part two of our Rewind on the year that was 1965. So tune back in then for coverage of Sweden, France, Portugal, and more. If you want to follow us on social media, you can go check us out on Instagram at Eurovision underscore Rewind as well. If you would like to kick a little bit of money towards the production costs of the show, you can help us out at patreon.com forward slash vocab gumbo. Also, all proceeds from there while we're still in the month of July will be matched. I believe it's up to five times now by the individual members of the vocab gumbo crew and donated to local black lives matter charities so go check that out for jonathan and for millen and for everyone else here at vocab gumbo my name is ellis we will see you next week thanks for listening <laughs>